Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Claire from County Claire. So very easy one to remember. I'm a mum. I have two grown-up girls, both in university. Very proud of both of them. I work full-time. I run a business. Have a little bit of a thing going on social media. And I love all things food and travel. <laughs> I love that intro. And in that intro, with one, we had a false start. And two, we have some noise in the background. <laughs> because I'm still getting my back garden done. But Claire has come, as she said, all the way from Shannon. Yeah. And I was, Paul was like, put it off. But I was really eager to sit down with you um so let's start from the very beginning and I did come across you everyone said where do you find your guests I find them on Instagram I follow mm. them on Instagram um and then little snippets through that grid and you go oh yeah oh so start from the very beginning with you growing up what was like who was in the house so I'm the youngest of five um my mum and dad stayed together their entire lives my mother passed away when I was quite young but they were married 36 years when she passed away um how, go on how does that work how do you mean is that a stupid question they were together for 36 years yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but I was in my early 20s when she passed okay, away grand, so I was yeah. young enough losing yeah. her but um I'm the youngest of five like I said um mm. we grew up in a little village in Six Mile Bridge in County Clare my mother was originally from Westminster in London so really? big change for her my dad's family were originally Cork so he was yeah. grand back of beyond so that's where he came from very different world for her she grew up in the 60s in London it was a very vibrant crazy time and then she ends up in a little village with less than a thousand people so very odd that must have been mental for her oh crazy absolutely crazy I don't think she ever fully settled into that world yeah. like she would go backwards and forth to the UK at least three to four times a year throughout her lives visiting family and friends I just don't think she ever loved a little village life she liked the idea of it but the reality I think was hard for her yeah what was she like very friendly, very outgoing, very well-spoken, very career-driven. You know, she worked in accounts, but she had so many, like me, so many side hustles going. She was mm. a dressmaker. She was a cook. She'd done it all, like literally everything. And in today's world, she probably would have done social media. She probably would have done a pod. Yeah. Like, loved to always have her finger on the pulse and mm. doing stuff. So really, really good. Like, running a house, five kids. Like, she kept the show going. And she made it look so easy. Like, yeah. you know, I look at her and I go, how? Like, I have two girls. And I'm like, life is so crazy. Mm. But she just made it look effortless. What yeah. happened to her? She had heart and lung disease. Um, she was sick my entire life. She smoked. Terrible thing. Um, 
But she also inherited kind of hereditary heart and lung issues from her father. So her father passed away when she was quite young. She lost him when she was only 17. And she lost her mother six months later. So she was... Before her 18th birthday, she'd lost both her parents. And she was an only child. So it was really hard. Yeah, she had a tough, tough start in life. And you would never know it. If you met her, you would never have known she'd had a tough start. Because she was so positive. She loved life. Loved, like I said, travelling backwards and forwards to the UK. We didn't really go on foreign holidays back then. But we did go to Butlins in the UK. Mm. We had a holiday home down in Ballyhigh and Kerry. Like, we had a great time with it. But she lived life to the fullest. Like, you'd never know. You'd never know she had a tough time. You know, because... She never let it show. So. What effect did the loss of your mom have on you? Oh, huge. And I probably even get emotional thinking about it. Huge. We were buds. Like, mm. I don't want to get emotional, but we were buds. Um, she was everything. I don't want to get upset. But just take your time with it. Don't take your time with it. Because it's a, how many years? Oh, God, it's a long time now. She is gone. 20 hold on what are we were 22 years so still and isn't it mad that we try and push grief we try and mm. you know push grief away we try and you know you have to probably have to be there for your dad probably have to be there for your siblings yeah. that you don't deal with your grief i think well it was traumatic in the fact that the fallout after she passed away was it wasn't good it wasn't a good time um we discovered after, well, I knew before she passed that the man I grew up with, with my dad wasn't my biological father. Nobody else knew that. Um, and that came out shortly after she passed away. Mm. Okay, take a minute. Take a breath. Just yeah. some tissues there. Thank you. See, I always put tissues. And then when I don't put tissues... And I brought my makeup back because I know I'm an emotional <laughs> person. <laughs> I was like, and the sunglasses, I'm not going to side the door. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's mad because then when I don't put the tissues down, I'd be like, shit, where's my tissues? I need, I need the tissues. No, and I I'm need... a very emotional person. Yeah. I really am. Do you know, where did, did that, was that always you? Because it wasn't always me, but now it's me. I'm so emotional. Um, no, it was. Yeah. <laughs> we always... Yeah, no, I remember we had the holiday home down in Bally High. Yeah. And um, we'd go down there for the whole summer. Yeah. So school would finish, the car would be packed, we'd be down there for the three months. We didn't see sight of Six Mile Bridge for the three months. Yeah. But my dad at the time used to go up and down for work to Shannon. Right. And when he was leaving on a Monday, I was devastated. I'd be crying in the window as he was leaving. And honest to God, we weren't that close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd be like, he's going. Oh my God. So no, I've always been an emotional what person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your mom, if I can. Yeah. Your mom passes. Yeah. You're in your 20s. Mm. You're probably just finding your feet, finding the world. Well, I already had Ellen at that stage. Oh, did you? Yeah, so mm. I was quite young having Ellen and um, I had her. Things hadn't worked out with her dad, but it was not a bad relationship. Like, we were grand, where to this day, we still get on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He calls into the house every second day on his way to work. Like, the, the relationship there is very friendly. You How know what I mean? How old were you having her? 17. Okay. So I was very young. Yeah. So no wonder you and your mum were so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. And my mother was young having my eldest brother. So they often say history potentially repeats itself. Mm. But I suppose she had gone through a very traumatic time before she had my brother. And she had met my dad, or who we thought was my dad, just before her mother had passed away. So, yeah, maybe her life would have been different if her circumstances had been different. But, mm. yeah, yeah. 
So she stayed with your dad then? Yeah. Yeah. Stayed with him. Right. But obviously... Can and you, I thought everything was fine. Yeah. Everyone thought everything was fine. So how did you find out that he wasn't your dad? So there had been conversations around it. I remember them speaking about it around the time I was pregnant on Ellen. I remember going in, having a blood test, and I was all negative. And my dad was like, how did that work? You know, it doesn't work. You need this and this for that to happen. Anyway, there was conversations, but I didn't pay any attention whatsoever to them. And I remember after I'd separated from Ellen's dad, I started dating a guy, and he was like... Your siblings and you, like, you're so different. Like, he's just, doesn't make sense. Like, you're so, so different. I was like, are we that different? And then I was like, I suppose we're a little bit different. And then I was working with one of my sisters. Mm. And everybody said, you're lying. There's no way you're sisters. And I was like, wait, there's two years between. We're sisters. Yeah. Like, And um, everyone was like, no, 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 not, not possible. So I remember I just started asking my mom. I was like, you know, who do I take after? Like... Because I did, I wasn't like him, and I was, and my sisters and my brothers took after my dad, mm. and I just thought I took after my mother. That's, and I was like, mm. why? Why is it so different? Like, you know, everyone keeps. And over the years, she kind of told me. She told me the story. So yeah, she take yeah. that back. Take a breath. Yeah, with that one. So she told you. Yeah. Now, shortly before she died, she told me the full story. But I knew maybe twelve months before she passed away that he definitely wasn't my father. Did, but he didn't know who was my father. Did y- your father, who you thought was your father, did he know he wasn't your father? He knew, but he didn't know for very long. He had only known for a short period before me. So that conversation had obviously carried on from when I had Ellen. It sparked questions, and he kept asking the questions. And when the sicker she got, the more I suppose she felt she had to tell people. Mm. So, yeah. So then after she And passed, he didn't say anything. Did he not say anything? He said nothing to anybody at that stage. It was only after she passed, he said it. He told everybody. There was an argument one day, and he told everyone. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? We can. I'm having to get emotional again. Mm. But yeah, we can. So you're going through the absolute heartache of losing your mum. And we'll just take our time with it. And as I said, there's no pressure yeah. at all. Like You don't have to talk about anything here today. And then... Was was he a loving man um, growing up? We weren't very close. Okay. We were never very close. He, I always just thought you got on with one parent more than the other. I got on really well with my mum and my sisters got on really well with my dad. And I just thought that's how it was. I thought mm. maybe you just navigate more to one to the other. But we weren't super close, even though I'd be great believing by mm. high. But we were never massively close, no. Mm. So we got on, but... Yeah, we weren't that close. And as you got older then, and you didn't know, like, did that change? And the only reason I'm asking yeah. that is because, and I've spoke about this to, before, my mum was a little bit cruel with me. Okay. When, like, I was hers, but she had postnatal depression and she didn't accept me. So the older I got, yeah, she got a little bit cruel with me. No, I would say my dad, and I still call him my dad, yeah. um, he, like, if there was ever an argument say, between me and one of my siblings, he would always side with mm. one of those. It would always be me. You know, even if they'd done wrong, he'd be giving out to me, and I'd see them laughing at the fact mm. they kind of yeah. got one over on him and he was blaming me again. So maybe it came out in that kind of way, yeah. mm. but I wouldn't have said cruel as such. Yeah. Yeah. But just little things like that, you would mm. notice. you go, why is he blaming me again? Like, yeah. why doesn't he ever listen to me? And I think maybe, maybe he had an inkling. Yeah. Maybe. 
And then how soon after your mum passed does he tell everyone and what happens in that So moment? she passed away on St. Patrick's Day, 17th of March. And by the Maybank holiday weekend, the argument had happened and he told everyone. So it was literally weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Very soon. And how did that change your relationship? Oh, <laughs> it was a disaster. Yeah. And your siblings? Everything just changed. Did it? <laughs> You're okay. Take your time. Yeah, everything changed. Um, I would say in the very early stages, people tried, but as time went on, just more and more distant. And I haven't spoken to any of them in at least 15 years. I'm sorry, Claire. So yeah, I have no contact. <laughs> and I don't know why. I just, everybody deals with grief differently, I suppose, but somehow they turned my mother into a monster because she had hurt him. And I was like her. They wanted nothing to do with me because I reminded them of her. That's so unfair. It was hard because I had nieces. I had relationships with them. Do you know, I was I was godmother to two of them. I had stood for one of them for their confirmation. Like, I was very close to them. One of the girls practically lived with me the whole time I had Ellen. There was only eight months between them. Everyone thought oh, I had two girls. I only had one. And, yeah, it all, it all changed. Did you walk away or did they walk away? They walked away. Where did you go? They all left. One by one, they left. Um, I have one sibling still in Limerick and the rest are in the UK. Really? Is it easier that they're in the UK? I think so. Yeah, because when they were here, like they would literally walk past me in the street. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I met my husband <laughs> in that period of time. So you can imagine. <laughs> a, a terrible time to be getting into a relationship. And in hindsight, I wouldn't have. But you do. <laughs> so do you, you're living on your own. Yeah. With your, 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 your daughter. With Ellen. With yeah. Ellen. And? And she was seeing her father every kind of second weekend. Mm. But <laughs> even at that time, he kind of, he he left us down. He um he decided to move to America for a couple of months. Right. Didn't tell us he was going. Mm. Got a phone call one day going, oh, he's not here. He won't be here for the next while. He's gone to America. Where's he gone? Don't know. Nobody could tell me where it was oh, gone for yeah. four and a half months. Oh my God. So I spent that whole summer into the autumn going, where the hell? Like, cause Ellen had obviously lost her grandmother. She'd oh. also lost her cousin. She'd lost her granddad. Like, mm. whole family had fallen apart. And her dad vanishes off the face they of the start. earth. Do you know? And like I say, we get on now, 
But at that time, I was like, you are such a cruel, evil yeah. person to yeah. do this. Like, yeah. at the time you're needed most, you're gone. But I've always said, look, he's he's a good person as a whole. I've always said he's like an extravagant uncle rather than a yeah. dad. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. he comes in and he's great. Christmas is great. He'll give whatever. If yeah. I said she needed something, he'd do cartwheels to make sure she has it. But on the day today, no, no, just not there, mm. you know. My makeup looks a mess now, so thank you so much for that. No, it doesn't. And you can't really see it because it's fine. If it was dark out, you'd see it totally. But okay, right now, you're fine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. going back to to um, your dad then. So, is, did he go to the UK as well? He did. Um, he met, well, he met another woman very soon after my mother. Um, and it was actually, the argument at that Maybank holiday weekend was around this new woman. Because I went into what was the family home and she was walking around the family home with a dressing gown belonging to my mother on. Now, the dressing gown wasn't just a dressing gown. It actually meant an awful lot. My mother had gone to my oldest brother's wedding in Singapore the August previous. Okay. It took weeks to get approval for her to be able to fly. The doctors played down how unwell she was to get Singapore Airlines to fly her from Heathrow out to Singapore. Because she kept getting refused. Yeah. She had to pay for a second seat to carry her equipment, all the rest of it. So it was a mm. big feat to get out to Singapore. Mm. But she was getting out there. She was very unwell. She even made her outfit for the wedding. Like I said, she was a dressmaker. Yeah. She was so delighted to be going out there for the wedding. So it was a big trip. And when she went out there, you know, they do this thing where they give gifts to the elders. And one of the gifts was from my brother's wife was, a dress, was this robe, this dressing gown to my mother. My mother didn't really wear it. She just kind of had it because she didn't want to ruin it like it was mm. such a, a prized possession of hers and this woman was walking around the house in this dressing gown and I was distraught like I was like who is she well I knew who she was but I was like what's she doing walking around the house and it was like the minute my mother had passed away my dad had made the house kind of like a shrine to every photo that was ever had mm. suddenly popped up like he was devastated mm. And then all of a sudden, there's this woman walking around the house and everything belonged to my mother, like photo-wise, has now vanished. I was like, so that's how the argument came about. Mm. So, and that's why, and he was like, well, I'm pissed off with her because, you know what I mean? Why should I care? Why? Mm. You know, so I I get it, but I don't get it, if that makes sense. You know, I get he has every right to be angry, but I don't believe that was a nice way to do it. it, Do you know? Mm. No, I think that was a bit unfair. And none of the siblings picked up for you or supported you? no. No, even my eldest sister, Sandra, who I would have thought I was very close to growing up. Mm. She was nine years older than me. She was like a second mother in the house. No, not at all. Not at all. And I was absolutely distraught by that. And I asked her so many times, like, why? And I never got an answer. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, no, never an answer from her. She just wouldn't give me one. So that was it. You're going to have so much relief after this. I think don't? so. I think so, yeah. I think so. <laughs> you'll, you'll have a bit of relief after it. Because I, I do love a good cry, I have to say. I do. I do too, but I, yeah. I hate getting emotional in front of people. And yeah. I not, don't want to do that. But I am a very emotional person. And so. this is why Paul was like, I don't think you should be doing this podcast with builders in the background, but they're going to be gone soon, so it will, it will stop. And I am aware they're there, but yeah. I can't see them. Yes, yeah, so so. Like, like, it's not like you're sitting that way. Yeah. yeah I just, and then can I ask you then, if we... Then, did you then 
you said like with your husband that you, you in hindsight you wouldn't did you just cling on to something else to try and find a relationship or were you kind of seeing him at that moment so i met him at the christmas of the year my mother passed away so she passed away in march mm. this happened in may the fallout kind of carried on from may through to the autumn so it didn't happen overnight it was slower mm. than that mm. um ellen's dad vanished off the face of the earth mm. And I went out over the Christmas and I was with some friends and Ellen was now inside in Limerick with his family, her her dad's family, because mm. um, he still had both his grandparents, his parents, like this big family there. And they were just mad about Ellen mm. and they were really supportive, like his grandmothers, especially like they were just, I don't know if you know many Limerick people, but mm. old Limerick people, new Limerick people, but the old generation mm. are just the nicest people you will ever meet. And they just wanted to mind her and they wanted to mind me. They were just lovely. Like mm. they couldn't have been more supportive. And um, so she was in Limerick. I went out, met him in a nightclub of all bloody places, mm. like, you know, but anyway. And I got chatting to him and he was like this just breath of fresh air. Like everything was positive. Everything was lovely. Like, yeah, he was just brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, nobody's been nice to me for mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. So you do. I, so I think, I think in hindsight, I wouldn't have got into a relationship at mm-hmm. that point because I was in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And um, while I say I think I might have noticed, I actually don't think I would have noticed the man I would have ended up with because... He was a very convincing, nice person, mm. do you know? Mm. And even now when I look back, there weren't red flags other than he was probably too nice. Mm. That was it. But it's like what Priscilla said when to stop domestic violence. She was like, when I was married, she's like, now we have words like trigger, red flag. She's like, a red flag for me was what I seen at match day at Crow Park. No, but that's a fact. We yeah. didn't, they weren't words that were used. Yeah. Even the coercive control, that's a new word. Mm. Hearing that somebody's narcissistic, I didn't know that existed pre-2017. Mm. Like, just didn't know. They weren't words that were used. Mm. I didn't, I didn't know half of the things that were happening to me until it started to come apart. And now I look back and I go, oh my God, oh my God. Like, it's like, it's like somebody turns a switch on you're like, how did I not see that? Yeah. How did like he had me convinced in the end that I was I was abusing him like or I was my recall was wrong I was losing my mind you know and other times then he would make out that he thought he had like dementia or pro- like crazy stuff you just couldn't imagine start from the start okay so you meet him in the nightclub yeah then at what point then it, did it fall did you fall fast did the, did the relationship oh, develop really quickly it, it evolved very quickly again we're told that's terrible now in our mm. But back then, mm. yeah. who knew? Mm. Who knew? And I was in a very vulnerable place. Mm. And we know now that if you're in a vulnerable place, people like him will find you. Do you know? And it's, it's why I'm single right now. I'm afraid that somebody would do it again. Like, I, I'd be afraid that I wouldn't see it again. Do you know what I mean? But probably it won't happen again because I probably never... Like, anyway. Mm. But, um, so I met him in the nightclub. He was living with me within six weeks. Practically living. He'd go home the odd time, but practically living um within six weeks yeah it was quick yeah. and he had a big family they lived in a beautiful home you know everything looked lovely it was only the longer i was there to realize how unlovely it all was because mm. his household was worlds apart to what mine was growing up like it wasn't very loving 
they didn't go on holidays. <laughs> like mm. the parents didn't even like each other. You know, the, mm. to this day they don't. Mm. You know, they don't speak to each other from one end of the week to the next. Like it's a weird household. So, but on the surface, it looked it looked lovely. You know, big beautiful bungalow just down from Bunrati, double garage, stables. Like the dad has his own businesses. There's two beautiful cars in the drive. Seven children, all doing okay. Like on, it looked. It looked picture perfect. Mm. It looked picture perfect. And was the relationship picture perfect at the start? It was absolutely incredible. The first couple of months, not an inkling. Like trips to the seaside, you know, everything we did, everything was fun. Everything was fun. Everything was exciting. Everything was just brilliant. There was no drama. No drama. Nothing was a problem. You know, everything. Like, you know, you'd wake up in the morning and say, do you want a cup of tea? Like, you know, everything was just lovely. It was just lovely. Yeah. So seven months of bliss, yeah. And then what happened? Sorry, I say seven months of bliss. It was actually over a year of bliss. Um, I was seven months pregnant on Danielle. It was Christmas again. <laughs> so we've got a full year. How old is Ellen at this age? So Ellen is 28 now, so she would have been seven. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, trying to remember. She's old enough now, like. But um, so we've gone to the following Christmas. We were doing up, we, he had moved in with me. We were doing up, we'd done up the garden, say, during the summer. So this is how quickly things were going. He was helping me do up the garden. We got the outside of the house painted. You know, I was pregnant from May or, I, sorry, I was pregnant. Yeah, May. Was I pregnant in May? May, June. We knew where I was pregnant from then. And we started doing up the house, getting everything ready. And um, it was on the run up to Christmas, we started decorating the kitchen. It was just painting and, you know, stuff like that. There was nothing like major. There was no tiling or any of that. But, um... And he said, look, you know, let's have my family around for Christmas. You know, because he knew my family wouldn't be there. Mm. So he was like, let's invite my parents around and my brothers and sisters. And I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> because I'm seven months pregnant, but mm. I like to cook. Let's do it. So we did. We invited them all around and they brought their partners. So there was a gang of them who came for Christmas dinner. Mm. It was a lot to be taken on when you're seven months pregnant. And we were still decorating the kitchen on Christmas Eve, getting it back to normal, getting it yeah. ready. And um, so it was tiring. It was exhausting. Had a great Christmas day, though. All went well. They arrived. You know, his brothers chipped in. Everybody kind of helped. But as soon as dinner and the day was kind of done, and actually at that stage, my brother, who was my brother, who's the third child, so he's the middle one, he had actually come out on Christmas Day for a few hours. So he it wasn't 100% severed with him at that stage. Mm. Like I said, it was a bit throughout that autumn, it kind of mm. all severed. And he came out for a few hours. And um, my husband's dad said to him, do you want me to give you a lift back into Shannon? Because we were out in Six Mile Bridge at the time. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take the lift back into Shannon. So his dad brought him back into Shannon. And then he came back to the house and he said to my husband um, and everybody else, oh, we'll go down to Drumline for a few hours down to their house. Mm. And I said, Ellen's going to sleep now. Like it was seven, eight o'clock in the evening, whatever. It was the evening anyway. Mm. I don't know. It could have been nine o'clock. Can't remember the time. But I said, look, you know, it's late. She's going to want to go to sleep. I'm exhausted. Like, I've been running around after when I'm mm. seven months pregnant. I've been running around all day. We've been decorating all week. Like, need to stop. I was like, you go down to Drumline. And um, they were like, okay, we'll go to Drumline. But I didn't expect him to go with them. I thought mm. he'd stay and give me a hand to tidy up. Yeah. That's what I expected. Mm. I don't know, should I have expected that? But I did. Mm. Anyway, he went. And I was I was kind of annoyed going, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I've just catered for everyone all day. And I've been left the house in a heap, mm. you know, trying to get Ellen settled, trying to deal with being seven months pregnant. But I did, and it was fine. And I sat down on the sofa after getting everything done, 
And he turned back up at the house with his parents. And he said, I'm taking the car. And I was like, what do you mean you're taking the car? He goes, oh, I'm bringing the car down to Drumline. I was like, why are you bringing the car down to Drumline? He goes, that insurance you have in that car is not the right insurance. I went, what? I was like, of course it's the right insurance. The car is bloody insured. And what happened was, I had another car. And my dad, <laughs> in that summer, had taken the car. Because he, so he used to be very good. He used to take my car on a Monday. I was spoiled rotten. He used to take it on a Monday, clean it, yeah. put petrol in it and bring it back to me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I was spoiled. And um, he had taken it one Monday and he put diesel into a petrol car. And he had driven it three miles home. Oh, God. So it ended up in the garage. And I ended up then having, I ended up trading in that car and we got another car. But he thought because we bought the car, it was his car. I Don't ask me how he, he didn't people even drive that. at the time. But people do that. Yeah, yeah. he didn't yeah. even drive at the yeah. time. Like, so, like the house was mine. He was paying no rent. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And all of a sudden the car was his. And I was like, how does that work? I thought it was our car. Mm. He didn't drive at the time. I drove him in and out to work, things like that. Anyway. So he said, I'm taking the car. The insurance isn't right. And I was like, of course the insurance is right in the car. Like, you can ring them, but it was Christmas night. Yeah. You couldn't ring the insurance company on Christmas night. And he goes, no, my brother's looked at that. His brother, Brian, has looked at that. And it's all wrong. It's false. Those documents are false. Your brother done those false documents for the car. And I was like, are you insane? Like, and he just came at me with this. And is this, like, is this, like, typical of him to do these things? Or was this, like, out of nowhere? Out of the blue. Mm. Out, no, I've lived these kind of scenarios 1500 times since then but this was the very first time and his mum and his dad were there so and the three of them were shouting at me telling me I was lying and I was like this is insane and um his mother's like Kev John just get your stuff get your stuff get out of here she's this she's that and I was like what is happening now bear in mind this was 2002 going into 2003 Mm. I had a mobile phone, but I had no credit on the mobile phone. Yeah. I'm in a house in Six Mile Bridge, a small little village. There's no house phone. The nearest public phone is a 10-minute walk away. Yeah. And I have Ellen upstairs asleep while all this is going on at me. And I was literally just shell-shocked. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I couldn't leave the house because I couldn't leave Ellen there. I couldn't get somebody to come and help me. Like, I was stuck. Yeah. And um, he started grabbing stuff and he left the house. And then an hour or so later, came back again started shouting at me again because I had said at that point I said there's no way you're taking that car you yeah. know I'm here with Ellen I'm pregnant like if that happens yeah. I can't be stuck here with nobody and no transport and so I wouldn't give them the keys so they came back to try and get the keys but he had had a second key at that stage and he took the car so that was it three days later I get a phone call saying come down to Drumline um Kevin wants to talk to you and I was like okay. who rang you his brother his brother Brendan so said, come down to Drumline. And I had a good relationship with his brother, Brendan, at the time. Mm. And I was like, Brendan, I can't ever live that night that I just lived. And I was fuming. I was like, that's it. There's no way he's coming back inside this door. The man is a bloody lunatic. Mm. His parents are... Like, I'd never in my life witnessed a night like it. Like, it was just... And I was devastated, obviously. Like, I was... Yeah. As you see, I'm a very emotional person. But I was devastated by it. But I just couldn't... I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't understand... How it went from like here, everything was fine, to like up here and everyone's screaming. Like and his mother and father were screaming at you. His like. mother and father. Now, as I go along the story, you realize like it became like a Sunday ritual of his father's where he would come to the house and literally shout at me. It was just a thing he did. It was like he worked Tuesday to Saturday. He was bored at home by a Sunday evening and he'd be back at my door shouting at me on a Sunday. Like it was insane. Did he have doors? 
one daughter. Yeah. Yeah. No, the house, as, as we go on, you'll yeah, go on. the picture perfect house I thought yeah. it was, you quickly realise yeah. it wasn't. And um, so, so did you go up to the... I went up to the house. Yeah. Kevin wasn't there. And there was a table this size in the kitchen and I was on the chair here and his mother was down here and his dad was here and Brendan had gone. He'd gone down the hall to his, one of his rooms. I said, there was a big bungalow, there were seven kids, like it was a big house. And um, Larry used to, his dad used to um, breed German Shepherds. He had one that he knew I wasn't exactly mad about. And he had the German Shepherd sitting next to me for the whole time. So I couldn't move. And his mother's sitting there going, Claire, just admit you're a bitch. Just admit you're this. Just admit you're that. I swear to God. This was between Christmas and New Year. I left the house at four o'clock in the morning. Like this went on for hours. Kevin came back into the house, twisted drunk, told me what a terrible woman I was, how brilliant the sister-in-laws were and how I wasn't a patch on any of them. And off to bed he went. And I was like, I can't stay here. I was like, I'm leaving. Now, Brendan had collected me. He told me to come down to the house. He had come to my house to collect me, to bring me to Drumline. I still didn't have the car. And so I got up to walk to go down um, back home. And the roads, like, they're proper country roads. Like, yeah. there's no line in the middle of the roads. Like, you know, you can touch the hedges. Like, it's, it's mm. that kind of road. And we're four o'clock in the morning. I couldn't listen to anymore. Had to get up to leave. And um, Brendan came out after me to give me the lift home. But his dad was shouting at him. Don't put her in the car. She's dangerous. Like this is the this. And Brendan's like, I can't leave her walk. Like he was fighting my corner while his dad was shouting at him. So he dropped me home. And then over the next couple of days, Kevin rang, apologized, you know, shouldn't have happened. His parents got inside his head. None of it was him. Blah, 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 blah. And I think over the course of that kind of week, I'd been on such an emotional kind of roller coaster. Somebody being nice to me again. I went, Oh my God, it's over. Do you know what I mean? Not knowing that this was obviously going to happen a million times afterwards. So Kevin came back to the house. Everything was fine for a couple of weeks. And then the dad starts arriving on the Sundays. And that carried on for a long time, like more than a year. He'd turn up at the house on a Sunday. And what would he say to you? He'd just turn, he'd turn up at first. He'd have a cup of tea. He'd have a chat. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, he'd start picking a fight. He'd start saying, you know, what, what was Kevin eating during the week? Kevin's putting on an awful lot of weight, Claire. Claire, have you noticed he's putting on an awful lot of weight there? And stuff like that. You know, or Danielle at this stage had already been born. It's like, you know, you money cotter her too much. You give in to her. You can't be giving. Like, every everything. Every, everything. How clean the house was. Everything. So it was like... It was like his dad, he, he was using his dad to kind of abuse me. He wasn't doing it, but he'd say, I can't stand up to him because he used to abuse me awfully as a child and this, that and everything else. Did it happen? I don't know. Likely to happen because his dad is an absolute head case. Mm. But I don't believe that's an excuse for the way he let mm. his dad behave. Mm. Because he so he never ever stood up to the dad? Never stood up to the dad. No, never. Never told him to stop. Now, the mother, it didn't happen as much with but it mm. did happen on occasion. I remember Danielle was literally days old and she came into the house to tell me what a terrible person I was. Just admit you're a bitch. Just admit you're a liar. Because she was convinced I knew I was having a girl when I was pregnant on Danielle. She was convinced I'd asked the hospital. They told me, but I wouldn't tell anybody and I was hiding it from everybody. <laughs> like, Winnie, I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. But even if I did, it's my business. Yeah. Like, nobody has a right to tell me I have to tell them anything about my pregnancy and my daughter 
But anyway, and then things like cutting her hair if she had her and things. Just stuff to annoy me. Do so you know she, what I mean? So stop that. So, that, so that's, again... See this, and I think if I'm right in saying that this is coercive control, like stuff like that, like taking the child off and she got her hair cut. So talk about that. She was only a toddler. She was only a baby baby. She barely had hair. And she took her for a few hours. And now when I say she took her, I could count on one hand the number of times this woman looked after Danielle. And she wrote in a notebook the minute she collected her, the minute she dropped her back and she'd bill me for those minutes and hours. So not even joking. But she took her and she cut her hair. And she came back and I was like, "Would well, you've cut her hair. And she was like, you're absolutely fucked in the head. I did not touch that child's hair. And I said, like, Kevin, the child's hair is cut. Mm. <laughs> and we didn't have smartphones like we have them now. We didn't yeah. take photos every 12 hours a day. Like, yeah. you know, it was more select than that. And you still were putting the, the little cameras in or mm. the little films in and getting them back. Like, photos were different back then. Mm. And I was like, Kevin, her hair has been cut. Like, you know when your child's hair has been yeah. cut. But they convinced me I was imagining things. The hair wasn't cut. You're a lunatic. And then I was the worst in the world because I had upset his mother. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You couldn't make it up. <laughs> and at any point, you went, did you, you went on to marry him, did you? I went on to marry him. I mm. did. Um, he had a falling out with his family. That's so what I went on. At any point, did they step away? Yeah, they did. They did. So he had a falling out with them. It was his brother's 21st. Um trying to remember he's eight years younger than Kevin I'm trying to remember the timeline Mm. because it's kind of a bit of a blur but I'd say Danielle was about two and a half or three when they stepped away and they were gone till she was seven so there was a good period of time and it was coming up to his brother's 21st and every time they had an event whether it was a wedding anniversary an engagement a funeral whatever it was I told you I like to cook and they'd always have me do the catering for everybody. But it was coming up to his brother's 21st. And they were like, Claire, will you look after this, this and this? And I said, well, I w- I'll help. But I'm not doing it single-handedly. Because I'd done an event for the parents, one of their wedding anniversaries, the August previous. And I think there was 150 people invited oh to this God. event. And me, in a normal standard household kitchen, had to cater for this bloody event. And it took me days of organising and getting everything set up and running around all day. And I said, I'm not doing that again. But I will definitely help. And I was the worst in the world because I was letting him down for his 21st. But the reality was his parents wanted to put on the big show, show everybody how great they were, but they didn't want to put their fingers in their pockets to do a single thing for it. So, yeah, that's why they fell out. There was a big, massive argument and he fell out with them at that point, which looked like he was standing up for me. Yeah. I don't know, was he? Or did he just feel like fighting with them? Mm. I have no idea. But that's when everything kind of imploded. I wouldn't cater for the 21st. Big fight broke out and that was it. They were gone for a couple of years. Yeah. And what was it like while they were gone? What was he like while they were gone? He wasn't perfect. He definitely wasn't perfect. But he was definitely calmer. Like there was blow ups, but they weren't they weren't that often. Like mm. you could go a long time. But how he'd give out to the girls or his his reactions things were still not proportionate to the crime if you mm. like you know what I mean like if a child takes something out of the press like you say you know you're having dinner in five minutes you don't ground them for a week or you don't send them to a room or you don't scream the house down mm. for an hour like the reactions were still so you were always aware that at any moment you could wind him up mm. do you know what I mean so you were kind of treading but you were hopeful and there was always these moments where you go you know if I get that promotional mark everything will calm down you know, that person's after doing that to me. When that doesn't happen, things will be better. And then it got to the point, because you won't marry me, mm. 
I'm insecure. And that's where this comes from. So it was always a reason for it. It was I didn't tell him where I was, so he feels insecure. Um, I was being sneaky with my phone, so he's insecure. Um, The kids are... Oh, no. One of the big things was that I was undermining him in front of the girls. Because if he overreacted, I would Mm. kind of go, you can't overreact to them. And I'd kind of be minding them. Yeah, of course that happens. Of course you do. But he would say, I'm undermining him and I'm turning the girls against him. So there was always a reason for it. And it was usually my fault so I had made him do that or or work at it because every job he's ever job he's ever had. He's the best person they've ever had in the company and he's been overlooked for every promotion and it's a disgrace. Like mm. he's fucked over by this one and that one mm. <laughs> in between. He's really not that clever a man. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he's very good at getting a job, he just can't hold on to one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so um but he's convinced he's the best in the world. Nobody's as good as him. You know, if somebody else gets a promotion, it's because there was an affair happening or something underhanded. It was never because they're better than him. You know, never because they deserved it. You know, because he is the best. You know, he genuinely believes he's... Mm. As they do. Yeah, yeah he as believes they do. He's, he believes he is, There's nobody like him. He believes he's the best looking man in the world, the most intelligent man in the world. Like, he genuinely does. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit mad. And then... You, did you go on and marry him? Yeah, we did. We set a date. Can you shut that door? Because it's so loud at now. We set a date and there was a couple of blow-ups, so I cancelled it. Right. And then we set another date and then we went ahead and got married. But it took a long time to get there. Like, we didn't get married until 2013. Mm. We were separated by the end of 2017. Okay. So it took me a long, long time to agree. But I thought it will calm down. Everything will... Like, I suppose I was so broken down at that stage... Mm-hmm. And you're so in the bubble. Like, look, when you get out and you look back, you think, that was insane. Like, why did I believe any of it? Even down to, like I said, we were on holidays. He tried to convince me he thought he had dementia. Because I kept going, Kevin, you don't recall things, how they've happened. Like, he would say something or do something. And I'd say, you can't do that. And he'd go, I didn't say it. And I'd be like, you actually did. Mm. And then I was effed in the head because I... I was recalling something in a completely fabricated way. And it even got to the point where Ellen, the eldest girl, was taking notes of the things he was saying to her because she kept doubting what was true and what wasn't. Because he'd have her convinced, you must be on drugs or something. That didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So we were on this family holiday and he was like, Claire, I'm very worried. I think there's something wrong. So he was very convincing. And I spent that whole holiday then worried. We're going to go home. We're going to get to the doctor and there's something seriously wrong. And I've been here arguing about his recall. Do you know what I mean? So there was always something. And it was always Like he fault. wanted you to feel so- sorry for him. Oh, my God. Always God help me. Yeah. Yeah. So he was bullied in school, apparently. He was bullied at home. He was bullied in the workplace. Like he's forever been the victim. victim. Always been a victim. Um, but the reality is... I don't believe he's ever been a victim. You know, Mm. maybe home wasn't great because home is a bit nuts. Mm. But I don't know, was it what he said? Like he he said his dad was very violent to them. I don't know. Mm. I saw him angry. I never saw him violent. So Mm. I don't know. But um, yeah, he was always a victim. Yeah. And people from school have said to me since we've separated that he was horrendous to people in school. He was never... Uh, being bullied he was the bully mm. you know and people he worked with have said the same to me said working with him was an absolute nightmare so and at what age did you notice him being funny with Ellen like was he did did he love her did, did was there love there between him and her 
he he put on a great act in the early days. He couldn't do enough for her. And mm. same with Danielle. When she was small, he was really very engaged, wanted to help with everything. You know, nothing was too much trouble. Like, he, he never avoided getting up at night time or, you know, any of those things. He was really, try, mm. well, tried to look good. Mm. Between the blow-ups, he tried to look good, I suppose. But I don't think there was ever a great relationship with either. I, I actually now don't think he's capable of caring really about anybody because I don't believe he ever cared about me at all. I think his purpose from the get-go was to absolutely torment me. Um, I don't believe he ever cared about Ellen because the day we separated, that was it. He hasn't spoken to her since. And same with Danielle. He's had literally two conversations in the last five years with her. And now, like that, he will walk past her in the street. Yeah, so I don't believe he cared ever because I don't think you could. Mm. I don't think... like. I couldn't be kept away from my girls. Mm. Like, I couldn't. Like, I don't know any any parent that genuinely wants a relationship with their children, has a relationship with them, and nothing will keep them away. But he does use the excuse that I was toxic, I turned them against him. Didn't happen. Was he physical? He was. Not, not to the point where he'd start with the physical. Like, he was physical. In fact, he would drag me. He would spit at me. He would pull my hair. He would shove me. But he wouldn't kick me around like a football, if that makes sense. You know, I wasn't battered black and blue, but I was very intimidated. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, and he'd say that to me. He, he'd he tell me. Do you know what you're like, what, like spitting, pulling hair, dragging? That's fucking disgusting. Oh, it is. But you're like, but it wasn't. You know, why do we minimize? No, I, I and we shouldn't minimize Ooh. it. And he used to even say to me, it's not like I'm kicking the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Like, you're blowing this out of proportion. Like, but there was times where I'd be sitting on an armchair and a glass would come at me and it hit the wall beside me, you know? And he'd done that to Ellen as well in the past. Or he'd pour glasses of water or Coke or whatever he had. He'd just throw it at you. Do you know what I mean? So you were aware at any moment something could happen. You know what I mean? Like, he'd put his fists through walls and things like that. Like, he'd be red in the face angry. Like, so you knew, like, you were in fear. You were in fear. Even though... No, I I can't say I didn't believe he'd go further because every time it happened, I believed he'd go further mm. and I would be afraid to move. Like there was days in the house. Well, I remember one um, one St. Pa- or, uh, yeah, St. Patrick's weekend, Danielle was gone away. She was in first year in school. She'd gone to France for five days. Her first time away to Strata where she was going. It was at my mother's anniversary. I never go around that time mm. anyway. But I wasn't allowed to be sat around the anniversary. He'd be like, oh, you take down the mood in the house. You know, oh, Jesus, here we go again. That's what you deal with. But myself and Ellen were in the house and for three days solid, we weren't allowed to speak to each other because he kept blowing up at us. So she was in her room. I was in my room and we just could not speak to each other. If he heard the floorboards move, he would charge up the stairs and start screaming again that we were plotting against him. Yeah. So even though he wasn't dragging us at that stage or kicking us around the house, he had us afraid to talk to each other for three control. Yeah. And it was while Danielle was away. So... I was worried about Danielle. I wanted to keep updates on Danielle, see how she was doing. And she was ringing me, giving me updates. And I was like, oh, everything's fine here. You know, we didn't eat for those three days. We didn't go downstairs for those three days. And it got so bad because it kept blowing up. So he'd go down, he'd watch a bit of telly, play the PlayStation. He'd go on the phone, he'd chat to friends, he'd do whatever. And then next thing he'd bolt back up the stairs and start screaming, you know, or if you tried to go to sleep, he'd be up in the room and he'd have the mattress picked up and he'd have you tossed onto the floor. So you couldn't relax. You are so strong. 
this is going to help so many people because people think like I have to be honest if Paul Kelly spit in my face I wouldn't know what to do because to me that is the worst but it's shocking like you know? yeah it just throws you you don't expect it and you don't expect the person who claims to care to hurt you do you know what I mean you just don't expect it and then when they apologise and say it was because X, Y and Z you want to believe that you don't want to believe that this person you don't even your brain doesn't go if you're not that evil you don't think like somebody like that do you know Mm. what I mean so it is it's sorry I am so sorry. I'm going to punch you if you apologise again. Sorry. There's me being violent with you saying I'm going to punch you if you, if you say sorry again. You, you know... God, that's terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Um, it's, it's just, as you said, it's that shock. Yeah. And the fact, as you said, that he wasn't leaving you with black eyes he wasn't but this is the control piece as well this is not letting the outside world know what's going on in the home but i remember danielle was only like months old and a woman from across the road came over to the house one evening and i thought she didn't like me i didn't know i didn't really know her she moved in i knew her husband but i didn't know her because it was his house she moved into his house and um, she came over to the house one evening. Kevin wasn't there. And she was like, you know, Claire, is everything okay? If you ever need anything, you know, I'm only across the road. And I took offence that she had come to the house to offer a lending hand. Because she obviously could hear what was going on from that. Because when I say he blew up, like, he was loud. Like, and the house, like, would shake. Like, and he would be red in the face. And he'd be charging up and down the stairs. He'd be slamming door. Like, his presence was well felt. And I took offence that she was coming to the door asking me if I was on. Because at that stage, I didn't realise what was going on. But she obviously saw it. Mm. You know, even though I knew the shouting was happening. But I didn't realise how bad it was. Do you know what I mean? Because it didn't happen overnight. And it didn't get that bad overnight. And you'd have bad days and then you'd have ten good days. And then you'd have a bad day and then you'd have ten good days. And as the time went on, you'd have two bad days nine good days three bad days eight good you know and the gaps got smaller between it and the arguments got longer so in those early early days i didn't recognize it at all and i thought how dare she who does Mm. she because he had me convinced she was you know somebody who didn't like me and Mm. i was like why doesn't she like me and i was believing what he was telling me about her but i would say he got a vibe from the way she was looking Mm. at him or something so he already had me convinced this woman was a troublemaker do you know and I, when she came to the door, I didn't take her seriously. And I regret not taking her seriously. Because if I listened to her, things could have been a whole pile different. You know, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't ready to hear it. And again, it's because there's no family around. Yeah. And she's, he's looking going, well, this one actually could understand who I am a bit. Yeah. I need to now isolate Claire from her immediately. Yeah. And how I'm going to do that is plant a seed she's a bit of a bitch yeah. or she's a nosy cow what she looked at she, I don't like her yeah don't and that's what it was you. like mm. you know and I kind of felt like she was judging me every time I left the house because he had me convinced she didn't like me do you know what I mean mm. so I was paranoid by this woman so when she knocked on the door but now I look back and think she actually had no ill intentions knocking on that door mm. What? but at that time I was convinced she was the enemy you know and at any point, are you in this 
obviously you are later on to it, but are you in it and going, there's something really wrong here? No. Because it was so gradual. And the good days were really good. Like I said, he'd get up with Danielle. He'd have, like the good days were so good mm. that, and he was so apologetic. And there was always a reason. It was always something I did or something that happened in work. I believe that was what... Because I'd never lived that world. Like, my household, even though obviously there was problems that I was oblivious to, but it was a really nice place to grow up. Mm. You know, we had the family holidays. We lived in a lovely home. There was a beautiful car in the drive. Like, we went to the seaside. Like, we had a lovely... Like, Christmas was lovely. Birthdays were lovely. Like, we cooked a nice Sunday roast. Like, it was just a nice place to be. Mm. So I'd never been around somebody like that so I really didn't understand it. I had no idea what it was. I had no inkling whatsoever. So when he said he was sorry, I was like, he is. He's, he's begging and he's... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pleading and he's... And, I, and I'm an emotional bird And I mm. care a lot. Like, you know, when I'm looking... Like, I really do. Like, I, I get very invested in people and... You know, if the girls are upset, I'm upset. If my friends are upset, I'm upset. Mm. Like, I take on other people's kind of... Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I care. So I felt that I could help him. I felt that he'd be better if this happened. If X, Y, or Z happened, things would be better. If I listened more. If, you know, we helped him upskill so he didn't get passed over the next time. You know, so I kept trying to fix things. Do you know what I mean? I know, it's madness now. Mm. But at the time, I didn't see it. And mm. even on company nights out... I remember I went out one Christmas with him and got dolled up to the nines, really looking forward to it. It was a big company that was in Shannon at the time. They put out epic Christmas parties. Delighted to go. And I'd spent a bit of money on the outfit because we didn't have a huge amount, but I really invested in myself. I wanted to feel good. Mm. And um, we went to the event and there was a couple of girls that weren't very nice to me at the Christmas party. I was like, Kevin, what happened? Like, I thought you worked with lovely people. Like, mm. it's a bit weird, isn't it? I was like, they were sneering at me. They were making the Pussycat Dolls song, um, Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend yeah. was, was sung. And they kept coming over, kind of lap dancing almost at me and being like really sneery and bitchy towards me. And, you know, just not nice. You got, you knew they didn't like you. Mm. And I was like, why the fuck? Like, I've never met these people. Why don't they like me? And um, we went home and he was like, you made a holy fucking show of me. I was like, how did I make a holy show of you? And... I was like, they just didn't like me. Like, I tried to get on with everybody. And he said, well, that's just you, isn't it? People just don't like you. Oh, you know, so, but I've learned since he used to badmouth me all the time inside work. I didn't know this at the time, mm. but I did learn and I've had screenshots and things sent to me. He literally, from the moment he opened his mouth, the words, he was bitching about, I was a controlling person. I was a bitch. I wouldn't let him do this. I, I was evil as far as everybody he worked with was concerned. So these people thought I was horrible. Mm. So they already had this idea. And so they were fighting his battle for him at the Christmas party. That's what was going on. But that caused him to battle with me even more. 
like you've made life so difficult for me now inside and work I didn't get that promotion because of you and your behavior at the Christmas party so there was all it was my fault it's my fault so I was like what can I do to fix it what did I do wrong like I I don't know to agree and I don't know but he had me convinced I'm a very marmite person person you know and I grate on people and some people just don't like me so and that was the reason so yeah and then at what point then does do you start realizing I'm in trouble here I remember kind of the Christmas previous so the Christmas of 2016 was horrific and he seemed to love picking fights over Christmas because I love Christmas. I grew mm. up with a great Christmas. I always wanted a lovely Christmas for the girls. And anything we looked forward to. So if we looked forward to a day out or a holiday, anything we looked forward to, we always tried to take the good out of it. So there'd always be an argument on important moments. You know what I mean? Like even down to getting Danielle her communion dress. Like you spent too much money. There'd be an argument over that. Everything was an argument. Do you know what I mean? When it was good times. So it was Christmas. It was really, really, really horrific. Christmas night was absolutely awful. He didn't stop for a second, didn't let up. Nobody in the house got any sleep. And that's this is the thing he'd do. He'd keep you up all night screaming at you. And the minute you fell asleep, he'd start screaming again. And I remember over the years, which is just the most unbelievable, you'd fall asleep and he'd literally pick me up and he'd put me outside the door and shut the door. And I'd be told to sit on the landing and I wouldn't be allowed to go downstairs and I wouldn't be allowed to make noise. Because I wasn't to let the girls know that I was making a show of him again. So he'd put me outside the door. Like, who does that to somebody? And it got to the point where he started putting me outside the front door in the middle of the night. So it didn't matter what the weather was like. It didn't matter what was happening. I'd be put outside the door. And I'd have to wait there for him to let me back in. Which is mad. And I was still there. So that Christmas was particularly hard. It had... And the run-up to the Christmas day was hard. Christmas dinner, not so bad. Christmas night, horrific again. My nephew and um, my nephew and his mother were coming around. She had lost her husband. Um, had she lost her husband the year or two years previous? She comes every Stephen's day. So um, she had lost her husband the year previous. His brother. So Brendan, the lad that I used to go with, he had passed away. And... Uh, he had a nephew and his nephew was only two and he was coming around to the house on Stephen's day with his mother and um Kevin stayed up in the room he wouldn't come out of the room and I was like you have to come down the stairs Killian's here he's opening his presents we do this every Stephen's day like you know this is what happens and um I was getting text messages on the phone saying you ruined my day how fucking dare you I can never have that time back with Killian you're stealing this time and I was like well, Kevin come down and talk to the child like he's here mm. waiting and I was sitting in the corner of the sofa pretending to have a migraine but I'd been up crying and acting all night couldn't keep my eyes open trying to pretend I'm okay and oh I think Kevin has a bit of a tummy bug or something you know but he's stamping at this stage around the bedroom and I said to Killian, I said, Killian, go on up and see if Kev John wants to come down and, you know, see if he's up to eating something. Because I couldn't let the child open the presents mm. while he was upstairs because he was going to go mental at me that he wasn't there for the moment the child was opening the presents. Needless to say, he wouldn't have known what was inside the gifts because mm. he played no part in getting it. Like Christmas morning was as shocked to him as it was the girls to anybody. He mm. had no involvement whatsoever. But, um, and I sent Killian up and he said, you can tell that cunt I'm not coming downstairs. And I was like, he'd never spoken like that in front of anybody. Like, 
Killian's mum was downstairs and she heard it and she was quite like, you know, where did that come from? And I was like, he's had a really enough right night, Katrina. I'd say he's not even like right. I'd say, you know, when you check his temperature or so. I was making excuses because that's what we do. You know, when somebody is that mental, we make excuses for, mm. I say mental, like abusive. Mm. But we make excuses for their behaviour because you're embarrassed. Like I was humiliated by the behaviour. So that Christmas kind of came and went and the months beyond that were just horrific. Like I would say if there was five good days in the following six months, that's as much as there was. Like every day was hell. He'd come in from work, you wouldn't know whether he was going to be nice, okay, or in an absolute rage. You just had no idea what you were going to deal with. Um, he'd come in, if you were upstairs, you he wouldn't even do every step. He'd do every second or third step and he'd be there and next thing he's screaming in your face. Do you know what I mean? Like you just didn't know what you were getting. And um, I went a full solid week in the June of 2017 where he didn't speak to me. Not one single word. He stormed around the house and he slammed stuff around. But he wouldn't say good morning. He wouldn't say good night. He would not speak to me. And I was like, what? And then it was just a silent treatment control thing. And um, I sent an email. You know, dear, dear tree from the mm, sun, but yeah. she's on this morning now. I sent her an email saying I think the subject line was and this is after six months of this this is in the June I said I think my husband's abusing me and I sent her the email and I detailed the last week I didn't detail the years I detailed the week I just lived and she came back with a very long email explaining what exactly was happening and a few days later she came back with another email going Claire I've been thinking about you which is a nice thing I don't know if it was all from me I think it was from her I think anyway and she was giving me lots of resources. And I'd gone back to her and said, you know, I'm in the south of Ireland. So lots of the stuff she said were UK based, not here. And I started Googling what she was saying to me. And I came across words like coercive control, narcissistic abuse, all that kind of stuff. And I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I literally sat there going, this is what I'm living. Like, finally, it made sense. Because up until that point, mm. I thought I was, I thought I was the problem. I thought... I was making him like this. I thought I had done something wrong. And I was sitting there going, oh my God, oh my God. And it all just started to become clearer and clearer. And in those six months, there'd be times, there had been times in that time where I discovered he had been having affairs, et cetera, et cetera. I now know that happened throughout the time I was with him. Like that was, I couldn't count. I know six. There's probably 60. Do you know what I mean? I smile about that because I realize, you know, none of them were, like he just used everyone. But anyway, mm-hmm. So I sent her the email, she came back again with another email and I'd Googled and I went to my sister-in-law, the girl who had been around the house that day and there had been a couple of moments else that she had spotted. She'd been in the car with us to Dublin one time. We were heading to an awards thing and he was really like, again, it was a nice day. So he had to take the good out of it. He had to argue the whole way up in the car, even though he wasn't going, he was going to a concert. He wasn't even coming with me, but he had to take the good out of it. And we got out of the car and she said to me, because she had also been subjected to the dad shouting calling around to the house all that and she said Claire do you know I saw Larry coming up that road today that's his dad's name I saw Larry in the car today like that is so incredibly crazy and I said well yeah you know he does sometimes display little traits but I played it down and then she was in the house just so she I- was saying that she saw the father in him going up in the in car. In him, yeah, oh, right, yeah. Because we were afraid to talk in the car. The the tension in the car, even though nothing had happened, mm. he was just ready to fly off the handle, and we could feel it. 
You know what I mean? Like he'd walk into the house, the dog would scorp her away because he could hear, he could feel the tension from him. He didn't have to say it. You just knew it. And um, she said she saw that in him. And I said to him the following day, I said, even Katrina said she could see Larry in you. Like, you know, this isn't me. Like, there's something not right here. And he lost it with me over that. And then there was another time she was in the house. And um, I'd other people over the years, like friends and stuff, one by one, you kind of eliminate it for different reasons. Mm. The isolation you talk about. But at the time, you don't see it. Mm. Um, and she was going towards the fireplace. I don't even know what she was doing. She was just going towards the fireplace, putting up card, taking out. I don't know. But he said something. And I went, he said that before. And he'd said it about one of my friends. And it was almost like he was trying to make her feel uncomfortable in the house. Right. Do you know? And I can't even remember the exact line. But it just triggered something in me. And I went... He's trying to stop her. He doesn't want her in the house. He wants her to be uncomfortable here. Because she, you could see her reaction. She was like, maybe I won't stay for the cup of tea. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Killian was always in the house. I was very close to Killian. Her husband obviously had been very sick mm. when he passed. We kind of spent a lot of time with Killian because she went through a tough time. And um, so he was trying to push her out because she obviously was getting too close. And mm. this was like the third time now she was aware life wasn't great inside the house. She'd seen with the girls, she'd said over the years, like, you know, he's a bit hard on them, isn't he? You know, so she'd seen little bits, so he didn't like that. He wanted her gone. Mm. And I went, this is weird. I said, he's not pushing her away. Like, I have a great relationship with her. I have a great relationship with the kids. She now had two kids at this stage, mm. Kian and Lily. And I was like, I have a great relationship with the kids. Like, I adore them. I don't want to lose them, do you know? Mm. Um, so anyway, I sent this email and she came back. And then by the beginning of the August, so we'd gone throughout June, emails backwards and forwards. July was just... It was like the last six months. It was hell. And I called around to Katrina and I'd said to the girls over those weeks, I said, I'm leaving. Like, we're leaving. We're not staying here with him. Like, it's ending. Because they had been begging me. They were like, we have to get rid of him. Like, this is not happening. Well, yeah, they were so like Ellen was like, I can't take anymore. She was really struggling mentally. She was struggling hugely. She'd gone through a very tough time in her teenage years with him. Um. She's in a great, like, an incredible place now. Mm. But when I say she had to work very hard to get to the place she's in now, mm. she genuinely did. Whereas Danielle, I think she still has a lot of work to do. Mm. But, um, so they were in a bad place and they were begging me to get him out of the house. They were like, we can't take any more of him. Because there was days where he was nice to them and he was never bad to all three of us. But he was always, like, somebody's friend while he was attacking the other two. So, mm. like, even down to Danielle... She was going into third year that September. So we were, this was the August. Yeah. I called around to Katrina's house and I said to her, I'm leaving him. And she went, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm leaving him. Can't take any more of him. And I told her what was going on. And up until that point, I'd never, other than that email, I'd never said a word to anybody. None of my friends, none of them knew what was happening because I was humiliated. I thought I'm doing something wrong here. I've made him like this. I've done something. Like if I was better, he'd be better. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you even think like that? But he had me thinking like that. And I was. I didn't understand. I didn't understand his behavior. I didn't understand the issues he had. I didn't understand. But I told her anyway. And I told her what was going on. And she goes, yeah, I kind of guessed that about him. You know, I got that feeling. So she, it was no great surprise to her. But we're getting close to the end of August. Danielle's getting ready to go into third year. Things had been tough. And I said to him... The day before, the two days before she went back to school, I said, tomorrow evening, you know, could you please come home after work 
in a calm, nice way, I'll make a really nice dinner. I want Danielle to start third year in a nice, positive kind of way. You know, she said a tough time of it recently because of the arguments in the house. I said, so can, can we just keep things calm just for one night? And I pleaded with, worst thing I ever fucking did. I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I genuinely shouldn't have opened my mouth. Danielle's up in her room the day before she's go back to school. She's doing a live on Facebook. There used to be this beauty group on Facebook and girls used to do lives with their makeup and stuff. And you see the makeup on her mm, today. She still works in beauty yeah, now. Yeah, gorgeous. And she was doing a live. He came in the door, didn't even hit the steps, into her room and starts screaming at her. She's on the live, right? Ellen's phone was there as well. So Danielle used to be using her phone for the live, but she'd have also another phone for the music and yeah, yeah. answering the questions yeah. and all that. So she had Ellen's phone and she had her phone. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And she told him. And he starts turning it off. And this is all being recorded on the live on Facebook. I know. God. And, um, sorry, it was Ellen's phone he was turning off and the phone recording was still there. So it was all there. Everybody could see it. Everybody could hear it. And um, next thing he storms out of the room and she shuts down the live, right? He comes back in, takes the second phone. So both phones are gone. I still have my phone. And he's like, you didn't answer a call to me, you disrespectful this, that and everything else. She goes, I didn't see a call from you. The phone's here. And then he said to Ellen, why didn't you answer your phone? She goes, you didn't ring my phone. Like there was no calls from him. And she goes, and Danielle has my phone. And he goes, oh, how convenient you gave her the phone. Like this is the craziness you're dealing with. And this meant we were up arguing. He was screaming at us till gone four o'clock in the morning, the day before she was about to go back to school. Just to make things as difficult as possible. But we started, I started getting messages on Facebook going, Claire, what's hap- what happened? What's happening in the life? Do you know, should we report to this to the guards? Because there was thousands of people. There were 7,000 people on that live. It was, it was Beauty Box was the name of the group. Yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah. on Facebook. But two girls set it up and it went absolutely bananas. There yeah. was 7,000 people had viewed this live. And I started getting messages going, we've seen what's happened. My instant reaction was to delete the fucking video. Oh I should never have deleted God. the video. Should have kept it. People did screen record it. We to this day have screen recordings of it. But um, and it was and that was it. I was like, that's it. Can't can't do this. The man is dangerous. Like we cannot do it. And that was September. And by the middle of November, I was away from him. So it took a couple of weeks. How did you get away? Well. It kind of was slow and it was fast at the same time. So from the August, I knew I was going. I knew I was done. That was it. End of. There was no more. And I'd gone over to the UK in October for um, some awards thing. i got over with Katrina, the sister-in-law. Like I told mm. you, we get on really well. And I'd gone over with her. And Ellen and Danielle were at home. They were in school. And I got a call from him. And he was really nice on the phone to me the day I was coming home. Couldn't have been nicer. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I was telling him what time I was flying in, Shannon, blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, I'm going to go in and collect Danielle from school, you know, give her a surprise. Because she was getting the bus in now to Limerick at that stage. And I said, oh, that's nice. She'll love that. Mm. Um, and he said, no more. Like, everything was fine. And the next thing I got a call from Danielle going, Ellen's gone. And I went, what do you mean Ellen's gone? And she goes, she's not here. And I said, well, she's probably gone to one of her friends. Like, you know, ring her. And she goes, no, she said, the keys are in the front door. Like, she's dropped them in the letterbox, her keys. Now, what do you mean her keys are in the letterbox? And then he gets on the phone going, you know, oh, she was very disrespectful this morning. And I went, what happened? And even in those first couple of hours of talking, because our flight got delayed, we're stuck in Stansted, mm. longest wait of our lives. And Katrina's shopping around Stansted, and I'm not telling her the drama that's unfolding. Mm. And um, it transpired anyway. He had decided 
Danielle went to school. He blew up at Ellen and he kicked her out of the house. Told her she couldn't stay in the house anymore. She was a freeloader. She was this. She was that. She was everything. He um, she, One of her friends had left some of her belongings in Ellen's room because she was moving from home to somewhere else. And there was a box of books and a few other bits in it. And he threatened to throw them out the window. He said, I'm going to throw them out the window. I'm going to burn them. I'm going to do this. If you don't get the fuck out of my house right now, you're gone. Bear in mind, this was not his house. My house. <laughs> so he couldn't do that. Um, but he kicked her out anyway. And then I said to him on the phone, I was like, Kevin, did you kick Ellen out of the house? Because he was like, God, she's just gone. I don't know where she's gone. Mm. She's that one's a bit mad in the head, that one, isn't she? I was like, no, she's actually not. Like, she's not, she's the most level-headed person you will ever meet in your life. Like, mm. she's not emotional. Like, she is emotional, but she doesn't get emotional like me. Um, She works for Rape Crisis Midwest. Like, mm. she's a counsellor. Like, she's... She's the most level-headed person you'll ever meet in your life. I was like, she's not a head case. Like, she's absolutely not. And anyway, I said, Kevin, if she's not at the house, by the time I get to the house, you're out of the house. Go find her and get her back right now. Because I was terrified, but yeah. I was like, get her back. And I got back to Shannon. There was no Ellen, right? Katrina's getting out of the car because her car was parked in our drive. I live seven minutes from the airport. Like you, very close. Mm. And um, so her car was parked in my driveway. He had picked us up from the airport. She was getting her stuff out of the boot of the car. And he was like, Jesus, I think I might freeze tonight. Yeah. It wasn't that cold, but he was saying it to wind me up because he knew Ellen was out somewhere. He didn't know where she was. And I didn't know where she was. But anyway, we found her. I brought her home. He stayed another couple of days beyond that. So this was the end of October. He stayed a couple of days literally beyond that. And I had him removed by the guards from the house because he literally blew up, went insane. And um, while he was in the shower, I removed every key that he ever had in gym bags like I just took them all and um he blew up I called the guards and they took him out of the house and I never let him back back in yeah even to collect his stuff I didn't let him back in I boxed up his stuff and I put it out in the garage and I said he can go to the garage to take stuff and not isn't allowed to step foot back inside the house that was it didn't let him back in I couldn't like he was a hick he couldn't let him back in but yeah so that's that's how it ended so it was quick in the end yeah but it was slow getting there. Because you knew it was either going to be him or Ellen. Well, I knew it was going to be him and Ellen, or Ellen. And I knew at that stage, everything he did was a considered decision. I knew by then, none of this was an accident. Mm. None of this was just anger. The man didn't have anger issues because he was able to be red in the face, screaming at me, and then step outside the door and be the nicest person in the world. In the bubble of it all, I couldn't see that. But when it came towards the end and I started to realise the behaviour and understand it, it was like it was like a light bulb moment. I went, "Oh, that's him. That that that's exactly what he does." Like it finally made sense, and I realized no matter what I did, he was never going to be a good person. He was this evil, bully, abusive person, and that's who he is. And to this day, that's who he is. And I can't make him be a good person. You know, you can't you can't change somebody, but you can't make somebody be a good person. And he's just not a good person. That's it. You know, that's his personality. That's who he is. And he doesn't believe there's anything wrong with him. So therefore, he's never going to change who he is. You Did know? he ever ask to come back? Oh, oh, absolutely. I still haven't watched. Um, what was that movie? The, the Greatest Showman. Yeah. I've still not watched that movie because shortly afterwards, that movie came out and he started sending me clippets from songs and snippets from that and telling me how lonely he was, etc., etc. Little did I realize at the time he was already somebody else wow even when he had moved somebody else in he was still kind of trying to come back but no i blocked him literally everywhere i blocked him linkedin emails i blocked him blocked him blocked him when i went to court to deal with family court divorce no communication just none no 
No, because I knew who, I could see him. He'd walk into court and I could see what he was. And there was, the minute I could see it, there was no going back from it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It mm. was like, I could see him. And up until that point, I didn't see it. Were you afraid of him after that point? Was there nervousness seeing him in court? And stuff oh God, like oh God, yeah. I used to be rattled. There was one mm. day I came out, no, there was more than one day, but there was many a day I'd come home. I'd be exhausted, number one, because... It takes everything in you to get ready to go to court and you know mm. you're going to face them. And I'd know he'd be in front of the judge telling lies, talking rubbish. And in those situations, you don't get a chance to defend yourself. Mm. You just have to suck it up. Mm. And I know that sounds really bad, but if you've ever been through the family court situation, it's a very tough what place did he to want? be. To not lose control. Did he want access to the girl? Oh, he did. He did. And that was never denied. And he got it. And then he didn't want it. So he got it. And he goes, oh, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And the judge said, what? He goes, oh, no, I don't, I don't need the access anymore. And the judge went, Kevin, what did your daughter ever do to you for you to be so mean to her? And he was like, oh, no, it's just too much hassle. And um, he said, no, I'm not letting you away with that. He goes, I want you to see her, even for two hours every Friday evening. Mm. And he was like, oh, I can't afford the petrol to get there. This was his thing. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. Which was pure and utter loss. The man's been holidaying feckin' multiple times a year. Like, there's fear of him, like, but he's a mm. great liar. And um, the judge said, well, can you go to the house? And I said, absolutely, I'll leave the house. You can spend the two hours with her. You mm. doesn't have to spend any money or I'll drop her to him or whatever. Whatever mm. works. I'm happy, whatever. And um, so the judge gave him the two hours every Friday evening. He turned up once. That was it. But once the court order was in place for Danielle to be available between five and seven on a Friday, mm. I had to have her in the yeah. house. I couldn't not have her because if he mm. turned up yeah. and I wasn't there, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. Now, he never got in trouble for not showing up. He doesn't have to show up, but I have to make sure she's available. So I had to keep her like that for nine months That's until awesome. I could get back in yeah. to get that taken away. Um, so everything was about control. Everything was about control. The dragging out of the court. like Everything was like, oh, she hasn't brought the right paperwork. When, in fact, he wouldn't have the right paperwork submitted. Mm. He changed solicitors every single time we went to court. So every time we went in, solicitor was like, look, I've only been assigned this morning. I'm not up to speed. We're going to have to come back. And then I'd see him arguing with those solicitors because he'd be looking for things. And solicitor would be going, you can't, that's meant, you can't do that. Mm. And he'd be like, well, of course I can. So when we got to the divorce in the end, he represented himself because <gasps> there wasn't a solicitor in the land that could do the great job he could do. Because like I said, he's better than everybody else. So yeah. And he'd done a terrible job with it. Terrible job. He could have had a much better day if he'd had proper advice. Really? But it was terrible. Yeah, no, the judge was very good to me on the day, I have to say. And a couple of months previous we'd gone in, I thought the divorce was going to go ahead. It turned into a disaster day. Went home, bawled my eyes out, couldn't believe it hadn't gone ahead. Um, but it was right to go ahead the day it went ahead because he was so ill-prepared. And that absolute disaster of a day prepped me for the real day. So I knew exactly what the judge was looking for. Because mm. the judge is like, it, they really, it, it is a lot about the mood. Mm, <laughs> it's mm. not about the right and wrong. It's about how they perceive you. Like n right and wrong is very mm. irrelevant to the family court situation. Um, and I had everything ready and my barrister was incredible. But I had a barrister, I had a solicitor, he had nobody. Um, they were females. He didn't like that. So mm. he was like, you know, when they were asking questions, like, I don't like your question. The judge was like, have to ask you questions mm. like so he was able to see snippets of and the longer i've been away from him the more brazen he's become and i don't know if it's because the girl he's with now he gets away with more with or i i don't know why but he's outwardly more abusive than he was 
when I was with him. Like, I was ordered to meet him in a hotel to sort out things with him, you know, around schooling and stuff with Danielle throughout these. So these were always things we had to do, like stupid things, meet him. And I met him and he sat down and instantly started shouting at me. Like he'd done that in, in a hotel where people knew him. And when the ladies came over and asked if I was okay, because he was shouting at me. Mm. And he went absolutely off the charts insane at her. He ended up getting removed from the hotel. Do you know what I mean? Now, he wouldn't have done that mm. when we were together. So he's got crazier over the time. Mm. Um, so I don't know why. Maybe, well, they do escalate. They do get worse. Mm. He has got worse over time. But even now, he's worse. Like he's outwardly abusive. Like so in the courtroom, he he didn't, he didn't control himself enough. Mm. So he lost control of you, so that's why yeah. probably that he's now losing his mind when he... Yeah, and he doesn't. kept going to all the guard stations locally, making complaints about me. Unfounded complaints. And this is the thing I really can't cope with with the courts. He reported me to Tusla over and over and over again, to the point they came out to the house, it was interviews, and they got to the point where they went, the next time you contact us, you're not going to hear from us. We're mm. just going to shut it down. We can see this for what it is. Yeah. Danielle had to change schools because he rang, he rang her principal. He told her principal. So the principal had to then make a report because yeah. they have a duty of care. Yeah. So he had to report me to Tusla. He told the school that I was basically running a brothel from the house. And he was concerned for Danielle. I mean, like, couldn't be further from the truth. The child was humiliated. Oh she left God. school. She left that school. Mm. She went to another school. He rang this chaplain in the school. We were debating over the fact he didn't want to pay maintenance, didn't want to pay towards school, didn't want to pay towards glasses, nothing, didn't want to pay anything. It's a control thing again. Mm. And uh, he rang the school chaplain. This was in the October. And he said, look, I know her mother won't bother getting her the things she needs, like pencils and copies and stuff. You know, would you mind sorting them out for her? Surely the chaplain should have said to him, you're working full time. Would yeah. you not bloody get them? Yeah. But anyway, she pulled Danielle aside Danielle, is everything okay? You know, do you need... Danielle was mortified. Because mm-hmm. kids don't want that happening. Yeah. And if it's happening, they don't want to even know what's happening. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, she was humiliated. Like, absolutely. And that's what he did. So he always rang people complaining about oh me. God. Went to all the guard stations. And I kept getting, are you harassing him? Are you at his front door? I was like, I haven't got anywhere near him. Like, there was a time he made a complaint about me when I wasn't even in the country. Like, my car was parked in place, so he was like, oh, I saw her here. She said this to me. Wasn't in the country. Couldn't have yeah. said him. But he never got into trouble for making non-stop false allegations. I had to go into court, into the guards, over and over again. And one time he took out a... You know the way you have the safety orders? You yes. get them straight away. You go into court yeah. and go, I'm fearing this is happening. Yeah. You get a safety order. He got a safety order. And... Um, I, he said I had rang his boss or I'd done something. I don't mm. even know. Over the years, he's made lots of wild allegations. Never got a protection order because there was never a reason yeah. to make the complaint in the first time. But when you go in and defend yourself and they realise it was taken out wrongly, there's never, you can't make false complaints. Like, mm. there was never a thing about that. He's just done it over and over again. And um, so he took out the safety order and I got, there's a two-page document that you're meant to get. And I got one page. Now, I, this was in the early days. I didn't know how these things worked. So I got the one page and I thought, oh, it's a safety order. What the fuck? And I got a call from Enniscarra Station telling me that he had taken out. So he'd gone to court. He got it. They rang me and goes, Claire, there's a safety order. Just letting you know it's going to come in the post. You're going to get it in the next few days. Mm-hmm. So they have to advise you straight away in case something happens yeah. between them taking it and you finding out. And 
I thought I thought it was somebody he had asked to make the call. I didn't think it was a guard that had rang me at all because yeah. it was so fabric like it made no sense to me. It come from nowhere, and I was like, "This can't be right." So I rang back in a scared station. I said, "Do you have a such and such working there?" And they were like, "We do." And I said, and "Who's his superior?" Because I think he's after making. I was convinced I was after getting a prank call, or somebody was just trying to make me scared. Because yeah. at this point, I obviously hadn't been in court. I wasn't aware of the allegation. I hadn't got the letter. I just got this call out of the blue. Anyway, I did get the letter, and it was just one page, not two pages. And on the second page of it, it says, "No contact." digitally so no contact on facebook instagram all that kind of stuff and on a facebook or on an instagram post and it's probably still there to this mm. day it was a danielle was heading back to school and i was saying you know how proud i was of her and how much you know she'd grown and blah 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 big difference between here and here and whatever anyway it was just like you know a very proud mammy moment yeah. like you know she's going back to school and he liked that post right and then he had sent me like a blank DM, just like a dot, like a yeah. blank DM. And I responded going, Kevin, if you want a relationship with Danielle, then talk to her. Nobody's mm. stopping you, you know, because he still hadn't spoken to her at this stage. And I was like, nobody's stopping you. Like she'd only love to chat to you, you know. And he said when, when, when he was leaving that night, he said, you know, without that bitch for mother, I'll be a much better father. Mm brilliant like non-existent so i was like if you want a relationship with her you know speak to her mm. that that dm was a breach of the safety, safety order. order so he now goes back to Ennis. she's breached the safety order so he liked that and sent the dm for me to react yeah which i didn't know at the time so clever hindsight is such mm. a great thing isn't it and you're not equipped with this stuff mm. when you go into the family you don't understand how dirty people can get like and i had no idea this could happen so he goes back to his court saying she's british safety order i want her arrested right now and they rang me and they said we believe there might be a technical breach of the order what do you mean there's a technical breach i was like he actually winded me up and i went to ennis and i was like lads this cannot be the case i walked in the door and i was like lads what are you talking about showed them the like showed Mm. them the 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 message i'd sent i was like and they goes, yeah, but that could be considered. That could be considered a technical breach. breach. They goes, we're going to have to go back to the court and get information off them and find out if it's a technical breach. So they went to the court clerk. They got more information there. And then the sergeant and Ennis said, no, domestic violence, we cannot have zero tolerance. Anybody who breaches an order has to be brought in, has to go in front of the judge. <laughs> so I get a call back from Ennis going, Claire, we, we, ha- we have to arrest you. What the, what the fuck? Like, I was inside work. I was distraught i rang clear haven i rang adapt house like i rang everybody i could think of mm. going what can i do here and they were like clear you're just gonna have to present to the guard station mm. you're gonna have to go through the motions so i rang back the guard station anyway and um i was like lads i i have to go to dublin in the morning i had to think and work i was like i have to go in the morning i'll be back by four o'clock can i do that because i can't miss this and he was like yeah come in to me at four o'clock tomorrow and i was on my way back down the motorway and the guard in fairness to him he was really really decent about it he rang me and he said, Claire, I'm not going to be there when you get here at four. He goes, but I am back in in the morning. He said, we're taking, we're taking, we're taking all prisoners from Ennis to Limerick Court tomorrow morning at nine. Like, and he goes, and I'm going to have to bring you. So you can't meet me in Limerick. You're going to have to come to Ennis. We're going to have to bring you to um, Limerick. He goes, and I'll talk you through everything and blah, blah, blah. And then he rang me back again. He goes, Claire, actually turn up at about quarter past eight. He said, I'll drop you into Limerick um, and we'll let the rest of the prisoners go on their own because he recognised what was going oh on at the state. Oh my God. To go down, I had to get arrested and get driven to the court in Limerick. 
And again, in fairness to the guard, they had prisoners behind glass here and he left me sit over here next to him because, again, he could see what was after happening. So they dealt with the prisoners and because it was a family matter, thank God, they cleared the courtroom because up until that point, the courtroom was full. Yeah. But you're brought in like a prisoner. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've done absolutely not. Like, technically, I had responded which is a technical breach, but there was no malice. There was no bad. There wasn't like, you know, your terrible father. Yeah. There was not one bad word in oh it. Oh my God. And um, I had to get in front of the judge and I had to be bailed until a hearing. And that time, and there was five months between that and the hearing. And I was literally afraid to walk outside the door because any moment he'd go, she walked past me in the street and caught me a bitch. Do you know what I mean? That's how, and I would have been straight inside. I would have been arrested. That would have been it. Like, that's what I was living with. So that's what he was doing over and over and over again. But I realised after that how serious the safety order was. So from my point, there was no contact. Yeah. But I felt, I didn't realise. I didn't know. So yeah, he, he had me arrested, had me brought. And then he was able to go into court and go, I've even had to get out of safety order. I've even had to do this. So it was always ammo to prove mm. That he was just this poor person and I was this terrible person. So that's how the whole separation, the divorce went on. And it was literally five years of that backwards and forwards. But in the end, the sergeant at Ennis Court or in Ennis Station contacted me and he brought me in and he said, Claire, you know, Kevin's behaviour is quite erratic. You know, we can see the escalation here. You know, he comes into us. We can see how he's behaving. And he said, we would categorise you as high risk. And at this point, I had a safety order because he had verbally abused me in the courthouse the previous mm. time I was there with myself and Danielle and um so I'd taken out a safety order because I was like no more am I taking this from him and I always I was never rushing to get a safety order because I mm. thought he's gone now I don't need it and I nearly felt like it was a waste of the court time it was and mm. I also didn't want to be in court any more than I was there mm. I was there over 30 times in the five years like you do not want to be there any more than you're there it's not a pleasant experience but I took out the safety order and they said to me, you know, we, we would be concerned for your safety. So, you know, if he does contact you, we've contacted Shannon. You know, they're aware if he does make any contact, let us know. Because we, we categorize this as high risk. Mm. You know, he has all the behaviors of somebody who might do something terrible. So I went back in, armed with that from the sergeant into the family court with the safety order, asking to get a protection order put in place and kept in place. Mm. And I said, I just wanted one for two, three, you know, a while that it would just, if we severed that contact, mm. he might cool down in that time or stop being so angry because he was furious that I was getting away. He was furious that I was ending it. He was furious that I could see him for what he was. Like he, he was losing control and he wasn't enjoying it. And the judge said to me, when I said what the sergeant had and I had a letter and she said, that's criminal. It's not family courts. And I was like, but that's the protection order. That's why I need it. Mm. And she goes, well, no, I'm not granting it to you. Wouldn't give me the fucking protection order. So at the moment, there's no protection order. There's no safety order. But touch wood, he stayed away. And the guards have said to him, if he makes another complaint that's false, yeah. they will do him for wasting police time. So he is About afraid. time. But it's taken all that. But the amount of women and men that go through this, the system is used to continue the abuse. Mm. And there's nothing in place to stop that. And I get why a safety order, you have to be able to get it immediately. Mm. But there are so many people taking advantage of them. Like, And that's what, some, I'm sorry, Cliff, was it Paul? Paul? Yeah. Could you just check my phone there? Because I didn't give Carl my address. Carl Broderick. 
Um, because coming to do that too, the yoga. Carl's coming with me. Sorry. Um, Nora Casey um said to me that in Ireland we are so good and people are so good at getting people out like that. Yeah. When you need to get them out, we get them out. Yeah. But it's what we do with them in the long term, like what support is offered to you long term. That protection order, yeah. you know, that barring order. Like, long term, you go on it, like, I don't know what the courts are like in Ennis, but, like, Dolphin House in Dublin is not fit for purpose. No, same in Ennis. It's yeah. shocking. And I got to a point where there was one judge had got the measure of him and was taking no more of him, and he retired. There was a new judge, and I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Back to the beginning. But his brother's the same. He spends more time in Ennis court than he does ever with these children he has children by two different mothers. He's actually gone to Limerick prison for not obeying what he's told to do. Doesn't care. Yeah. Doesn't care. Do you know? So, yeah. And how are you today? Well, I'm obviously very emotional, but I'm a very emotional person. Yeah. I'm really good. And mm. I know <laughs> I'm emotional, but I'm actually really good. Like, mm. where I was, say, the end of 2017 to today, there are worlds apart. Like, they are absolutely worlds apart. I still struggle to trust. Like, I still tr- struggle. Like, oh, I just struggle. I struggle with men massively. Um, emotional again. I hate that he's had me feeling unable to feel that when somebody says something nice, they mean it. Like, I just, I don't believe it. Um, but I am good. I'm emotional saying it. But I am good. I mean, work-wise, things are good. The girls are good. Like, life is good. You know what I mean? Mm. We're in a good place, but I just don't know if I'd ever let the guy down enough to trust somebody ever again. That hopefully will come with time. It might come. If it doesn't come, it's fine. I just, I just don't like that I've been left with that. Like, I'd like, I'd like to not have that feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like, I hate that he's had that much control and that much power. Like, I feel like I've gained back so much. But I haven't gained that back yet. But I probably will. It probably will come. But it's hard because I did trust him. I thought he was brilliant. And I was so wrong. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. I'm such an emotional person. <laughs> such a poignant point of your life that you're talking about. And as I said, it's such... It's it's the loss of that girl in Spain that he killed her. It was the loss of that woman down in, you know down where we are, like in Donamid, like he killed her. Like it's and it's 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 absolutely mind boggling that the amount of people don't do and I'm just going to say it, the amount of mothers with sons out there yeah. who involved themselves. You're not good enough. Yeah. You're not good enough. And that's what I had from my yeah. mother in law. She was not nice to me at all mm. like and when danielle was weeks old like you're in a vulnerable position when you've just had a child mm. and to have another woman tell you you're a horrible person you're a terrible mother you're a terrible partner like you're just bad mm. that's hard to take you know and you've nobody around you to say that's not right mm. do you know what i mean so i had no positives i was just hearing the negatives so i'm lucky like even though i am an emotional person and mentally i do actually quite well you know i've never struggled with mental health even though i am an emotional person but um i've never struggled but if i was like she would have she could have tipped me over the edge of like the stuff she was saying to me 
I wouldn't say to somebody I didn't like. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. They remind a new mother. Like yeah. new mothers are vulnerable at the best of times. Mm. They're going through enough, but she was just. I just, I just think how we let them away with it, like how people, family, let them away with it. You know, like and mainly it is mothers, but and I, it's it's women in general though. Yeah. And I know this sounds very bad, but how many women? will fight a man's corner who's not doing right by his children or who's not doing right by his ex or who's not doing... Do you know what I mean? We fight their corner. Like, personally, I haven't had to do it, but mm. how many women do you know will fight their mm. corner and go, oh, no, the ex is horrible. That's yeah. why he doesn't see the child. The ex is mm. a psycho. She's mm. this. Well, if she's a psycho, shame on him for leaving his children 24-7 with her because I'm telling you, I wouldn't leave my children with a psycho. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? So, so mm. shame on you. But women... Defend men all the time that don't do right. Mm. You know, I even know, you know, the girl Kevin's with now, like she's living with him and she'll defend him till the cows come home. Like, do you know Mm. what I mean? She thinks, even though she knows, she knows there's a very bad side there. The girl is afraid of her shadow. Like it's so, Mm. I can see it in her now, Mm. but um, she'll defend him. Yeah, 100%. Do you know? And she'll believe She'll say it out loud. Oh, he has no relationship with Danielle because Claire stopped it. Never stopped it. Wouldn't have stopped it. I do say now, though, I am delighted he doesn't have it with her. I was upset in the early days because I felt really bad for her. Mm. Nobody should deal with that kind of rejection from their dad. But Mm. as time went on and as bad as things evolved, you know, I kind of went, she's actually so much better without him. Do you know? So he actually done us a favour. He thought Mm. he was doing damage by doing it. But actually... The only good thing you ever did. That's mm. what I said. The only good thing. Do you know? And see, that's the thing, like, and, you know, I think there's lots going on about Tusla at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I, it's very hard to, for me, it's very hard to read into things. And I did share something last week about what's happening with Tusla. And when it's very far right saying it, it's very hard to believe. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, like Amy from Stop Domestic Violence said to me, but Tuesday are there to help Tuesday, like a te- the teacher saying, you know, does it just trouble you? But yeah, that was on the wrong side of it. It was being mm. done against you. But they have to get involved. Oh, here's Carl. They, they have do, to get involved have to because they can't leave. They can't leave kids in those situations. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really, re- it's, it's a scare. But I'm just, I'm so proud of you. And as I said to you, when I look on your Instagram, it's not, it, it's real, it's real life, it's, it's there, it tells you, like, it's just, that initially when I look at your Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, and then you go, boom, domestic violence, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I know, I know, because I am a genuinely positive person, yeah. and I do love life, it's as emotional as I am, I yeah. do love life, like, I have, yeah. I have a great group of friends, yeah. like, it's not massive, it's small, but it's really good, you know, um, they are family to me, you know, my sister-in-law's family to me, the girls are incredible, like, they're doing really well, Ellen has just finished UL, Danielle is going into third year doing business and um, marketing, she has her own business as well with the brows and the makeup, and then, obviously, she's co-owner in Beauty by CD, so we own that business. So what is Beauty by CD, tell me? So that's our own beauty business. So we started this just before lockdown, mm. and I suppose it was... I was working full-time, um, and I've skilled up, and I have a better role today than I ever had in work, and I'm earning more than I ever earned, but I still needed more because I'm a mm. single-income household, two kids in third-level education. So I had to do something to try, and there's only so many hours in the day, so I thought I'd create 
something that I can have an additional income. So we created Beauty by CD. It's a range of beauty products um, that we're growing all the time. We have like a handful of products right now, but it's we have another one coming in a couple of weeks time, another Amazing. one Christmas. So it's doing really well. Um, mm. It's online only at the moment, but um, we introduced a product called Sundrops. It's done really, really, really well. Um, our drop that we had in March, which was anticipated to keep us going till Christmas, mm. is just about sold out. You know, like it's, yeah. we're doing really well with it. But we co-own it. Three of us own it. That's um, lovely. Danielle does all the social media for it and mm. um, the website. Ellen built the website. So between us, we did it all. Ellen does all the design for the products. Like it's 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 a real labor of love between the three of us. Um, and it was just so I could boost that income and secure our futures a little bit. Because, you know... When you go from having a dual income household yeah. to having one, it's yeah. a bit of a shock, yeah. you know, and we would have had a similar income back in the day, um, but I've, I've replaced that income now. So yeah. at least if I did meet somebody in the morning, I'm not relying on them exactly. for anything. Yeah. You know, I'm mm. fully self-sufficient and the girls are. And so we're in a great place. I mean, I'm going out to Malaga now tomorrow to meet some friends for a few days and then Lovely. back to work on Tuesday. Like, do you know, life is good. Mm. Life is good. Yeah, yeah, we're very lucky. I feel very, I'm touching wood, feel very lucky. You know, health is good. And yeah, other than just not trusting men too much. Mm. And I suppose it comes from, Ellen works in Great Crisis Midwest. Yeah. You couldn't really imagine yeah. how hard that is. Mm. You know, so it's hard to trust. Mm. It's hard. And I will, I will trust again. Because I do genuinely believe the vast majority of people are really mm. good mm. and I can't let him muddy the waters exactly. for everybody else and the sensible person in me sees that and hears that and knows that but then I'm just the guard is here mm. do you know and I can't he's winning though with that guard that's the problem and that's the battle I have and that's why I get mm. so upset over it because I know he's winning with that guard but at what point do you go I let it go mm. and end up risking it, it's just it's too big a risk but you, it's not because you know the red flags now. That's the thing. And you I keep telling them. myself that. You know them. I tell myself that. But then I'll still go out in a date and I'll be like, nah, 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 nah. Or three weeks You're, later, you, nah. and, you and Amy need to get together. Because <laughs> Amy is like, red flag, red flag, red flag. Straight oh, away so, she like gets I, it. My list of people I can't date or mm. won't date or mm. wouldn't go near. It's growing by the day. Like, it's <laughs> literally, you know, mm. somebody in work and say, so I'd be like, nah, wouldn't date somebody like, nah, wouldn't do that. Yeah, like, yeah. The list is just growing yeah. by the day. And I go from like, you know, having a date with somebody. One thing, they only have to say one thing or looking at mm. that, gone, gone. Like, no tolerance whatsoever. So, yeah, who knows, who knows. It will come. It, it will. will. I think it will come. It will. Right? And I think, you know, even this here now, just talking mm. about it, that was quite emotional. Mm. It's good to get it out. It's yeah. good to get it off your chest. And sometimes people go, oh, do you ever get sick of talking about it? I don't talk about it all the time, number mm. one. But number two, it's such a big deal. It's it was such your life. a big thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like, would you tell somebody to be quiet about a broken bone they had exactly. or a car accident they yeah. had? Yeah. Of course you wouldn't. Yeah. So why shouldn't I talk about the abuse I lived? As I said to you, this is going to help so many people. I hope so. I hope so. I, I Like, there was none of this. Mm. pre-2017 yeah I wasn't looking for it but there, there was very little yeah do you know what I mean um and I hope now that more women live even if they do go into something like this they don't live it for as long exactly they would come out much quicker um because it does it does leave it scars you know there's no doubt about it but I have talked to so many women that are way further out the gap than me and their lives are they couldn't have dreamed, they couldn't mm. have imagined the lives they have today. Mm. And they're just worlds apart from where they were. And that helped me in the very early days when I started sharing the story. 
women that were five years ahead, ten years ahead were going, mm. Claire, this is what happened. And even down to not seeing Danielle, the amount of women that said, oh, never again, didn't have contact, used mm. this. Ex- he was textbook in how it all played out. Mm. And if I'd actually listened to them even more, I wouldn't have fallen into the traps in courts because mm. my brain couldn't go there because I just couldn't imagine somebody would be that crazy. Yeah. Do you know. know what I mean? I know. So, I know. yeah, but it was really helpful to hear yeah. that because in those early days when you're getting those soppy messages going, I miss you, I have nobody, I have this, mm. it was really easy to go, nah, not falling for that. Exactly. And remembering the conversations I had with people and the stories they told me, I went, nah. He was textbook in how he behaved. So he wasn't even a clever abuser. He was mm. actually quite bad at it. Like if I had any clue, he, he wouldn't get away with it. You didn't. Exactly. You don't in the moment. Exactly. But he, he'd, I, I actually said to him the day of the divorce, I was like, you know, the, the woman you met, you know, when we first got together is very different to the woman I am today. And I said, the woman I am today, you wouldn't stand a blessed chance with. And I felt very good telling him that because the judge was asking me, is it over? Because you have to declare that it's completely mm. over and whatever. And I was explaining that and was explaining it to him. Did not like it, you know. So, And I felt very empowered saying that because I'm telling you now, he wouldn't stand a chance with the person I am today. And he's equivalent wouldn't stand a chance with the person I am today. So, yeah, I have Good for you. strength in that. Thank you. And that note, Claire, we leave it there. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so, much. so much for coming all the way up from Shannon to sit down and talk to me. I have to get Barbie stuff, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd be happy. Eh? She'd be Best of luck. Best of luck with, with the business, with the girls. It's really exciting to see the three of you doing that together. Thank you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.